0: yes it's me mark stone and this is the backseat driver podcast it's the fastest it's the friendliest and it's for all the family the gas shocks 116 trophy and 120 coupe cup are the fastest growing race series in the uk taking in six one-hour races and eight sprints at all the top circuits visit 116 trophy.com to find out more and get yourself behind the wheel I'd like to introduce to the Bike Seat Driver Radio Show, Mr Warren Kennedy, uh, Managing Director of Classic Restorations, Sales Limited, doesn't leave the sales out, and the Healey Collection. Basically, Warren has the largest collection of Healey's there is, but notice I say Healey, apart from one that happens to have the word Austin in front of it, and a very, very rare Ford Fiesta Healey. All the rest are pure Healy's. Warren, welcome to the Backseat Drive Radio Show. Pleasure to be here. What is it about Healy's, and how did you get into them? I mean, most people know Austin Healy's, as I've said, but Donald was actually, Donald Healy was a very prolific car builder in his own right before he got uh, all mixed up with Austin.
1: I think Donald was ahead of his time. He he he, he had this idea. He, he wanted to build a car. Um, he sat down. Just after the end of the war, and, and sketched a car and gave it to a man called Bill Buckingham and said, Build me that. Mm. And he did. They had the car finished and completed by the 10th of January. It um, was quite a short gestation period. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable for a scratch built car. Um, okay, finally, used the Riley engine gearbox and back axle, but the rest of it was. was parts bin, parts bin and, 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 and scrap metal basically, <laughs> that was it. I mean, it was after the war, you couldn't get materials, couldn't get supplies, and they sat down and they designed and built this car. And the fundamental car itself, when it was originally built and tested, didn't change very much. The chassis and the running gear remained the same right through to 53 when he did the deal with Austin on the, on the, on the 104 which became the, obviously the Austin Healey. He, he, was, he was a clever man, he wanted to build a car, he got experience pre-war rallying, successful on the Monte Carlo, and he wanted to build a sports car that he could drive on the road and rally and compete with. And he did, he did. Mille Miglia, Le Mans, Monte Carlo, you name it. I mean, the first, first race at Goodwood, 1948. First race, seven cars, five of them were Healys. Unbelievable. (laughs) So, when did you get into them and why did you get into them? Accidentally. (laughs) Here's a story, here's a story and I've got to give full credit to a guy called Mike Cornwall. Um, We used to meet at my workshop on a Saturday morning for a coffee and a bacon roll or a pasty or whatever anyone would brought along and one Saturday morning uh, there was an auction on at Shuttleworth. So I decided I was going to the auction and not going to the workshop. I'm at the auction, walking round. Mike rings me, says, Warren, where are you? So I'm over at Shuttleworth, there's an auction on. Oh, is there? I said, yeah, come over, there's an early 911 in here that you'd be interested in, because he rallied he a 356 Porsche. So, he comes over, meet him, comes in, walking around. As we're walking round, there's this green thing there. And he <laughs> says to me, wow, look, a Healy Weston." I said, a what? I saw. I knew what a Healey Silverstone was and I knew what Austin Healey were, but a Healey Wesleyan, what on earth is that? So we went to look at it and it was in this auction, old boy owned it. Um, I was just putting in, they're,
0: they're in the, the Healey's are unusual looking cars, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They stand
1: out at times for what you might call the wrong reasons. Well, it's, it's Marmite, there you yeah. go. <laughs> My well, Mike sums it up, okay. Um, so, anyway, we're looking at this thing and walking around it, and uh, it's gone through the auction and it hadn't sold, and so we go back and have another look at it. and I'm opening the door, and this grumpy old man comes out, What are you doing? That's my car. Anyway, cut a long story short Mike decides to buy the car, rebuys the car. The man that owns it drives it back to my workshop, gives me the keys, and says, Will you look after it until Mike's checks cleared? Yeah, okay, fine, I'll do that never met him before in my life, he trusted me with his car, locked in my workshop, and I'm friends with Mike, he's just given him a check that could have, could have, anything could have happened. Anyway, (laughs) we then decided Mike was gonna use it on the very first Rally of the Tests reenactment. Okay, this is- Which for those listening who
0: aren't sure, the Rally of the Tests turned into the RAC Rally.
1: Yes. But Rally of the
0: Tests, when it it were a proper do, Oh, yeah, now, yeah. So um, I
1: was charged with restoring this car and getting it ready for this rally of the tests. Uh, yeah, great, so that's what we did. Sat down, started doing it, got to then hear about the Association of Healy Owners, uh, which is a club specifically for the early Warwick built cars. Uh, so we rebuilt this car. Three days before, four days before the event, Mike rings me and says, Warren, quick." problem gotta go to switzerland on business will you drive the car for me i've never done a rally in my life he said don't worry experienced navigator he'll, he'll talk you through it okay introduced me to this rally driver none other than willie cave so a legendary co-driver
0: ah oh, so you had a lot to live up to as did the car
1: what a <laughs> man i'll tell you what that, that that guy taught me so much in those three days i mean we took this car and. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, and then got bit, bit by the bug. A, healers couldn't believe the cars could do what they could do for a car that was designed in 1945, exceed exceed 100 mile an hour, um, handled incredibly well. In fact, at one point we broke the rear Panhard rod on it, and I did 300 miles of the event with a broken Panhard rod. Yeah, um, still kept the car. Kept the car straight, but then Count Jolly Rani did the same thing on the Mille Miglia in 1948, yeah. and he did 600 miles on the Mille with a broken Panhard rod, and finished 13th overall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible cars. So that was my first experience driving a Healey in anger, mm. um, and then I just got got bit by it. Um, got involved with the club, got asked by the club to join the committee, fought them off for about four years until I succumbed to them and, and joined the committee and joined the club. Um, and then started looking into Donald Healy and, and and his cars. And I can't believe how these hidden gems have been hidden away for so many years. A lot of cars put away, I found no end of cars that have been off the road since the early 60s and that's been the main problem, the lack of parts availability for them because Donald although he used the Riley engine gearbox back axle, the front suspension was his own design set up, it was yep. parts out the aircraft bin, it was trailing arms off aircraft redesigned and, and used as a, as a trailing arm front suspension. 1945 coil springs all round, um, he tried desperately to the car total weight under a tonne and he just failed that. But he took the cars to the Mean Amelia, to Le Mans. As I say, the first race at Goodwood, five Heelys. Um, before the XK, before the Jaguar six-cylinder engine came out, they were very, very competitive. Everyone's heard of the Heely Silverstone, but very few people know the Westland, the Elliott, the Abbott, the Tickford, the Sportsmobile, the Duncan's. The drones, etc. There's a wide selection and a lot of they all sold a lot of, <laughs> of chassis only, and people built special bodies. Yeah. And a lot of these cars, I mean, they they were they were more expensive than an Aston Martin at the time. Yeah. So very few of these cars got thrown away. They got locked in garages and put away. It's like having a Rolls Royce. You don't scrap it. You put yeah. it away because it has a value.
0: You won't be able to afford to afford to restore it. <laughs>
1: one day you find the parts to restore it so we basically over the years I've sat down and remanufactured a lot of the parts and uh, I can successfully say put a lot of these cars back on the road one person that I've
0: interviewed actually Angela hook at the Bugatti trust Ettore Bugatti's designs were unique to a degree somebody a skilled engineer a machine uh, a mechanical engineer can spot a bugatti design can you spot a donald healy design do you look at these cars and think that's healy that could only
1: be healy yeah yeah most definitely he got the the he, the he designed this kite-shaped grill and one of, those, one, of the, one of the golden rules he had when he sold a chassis in chassis form is the grill went with it yeah and you had to use the grill on the car so you look at the very early, the very early home built cars, mm-hmm. they've got a car that's got this kite-shaped front grille and nothing blends into it.
0: No, is, is there any reason for the kite-shaped grille? Really? Was it just distinct and beatler looking into to say, oh, it's a Healey.
1: On Donald's first two prototype or the first prototype car that he built. The the side lights were the same shape. He was continuing this shape along. Basically, the 104 grill was a stretched out version of his original kite-shaped grill. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just, it was pretty much like Heli-Ice Blue on 104s. It became a signature.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, as regards the design, what is it that sets Donald's designs apart?
1: We've just got to go back to what, what was available and what was about pre-war? Mm. Everything was running on running boards, sweeping wings or cycle wings, and all of a sudden you'd got this car with an all-aluminium body on an ash frame that was. Um, I should imagine the day when, when first, first, seen, you, you're thinking, mind this, 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 is spaceship design. Yeah. This is, this is, this is. I mean, the the the, the Elliot Saloon was actually designed with the aid of a wind tunnel. Oh, right. Yeah, and the model, the the, the original model, uh, scale model I used in the wind tunnel, is still in the display cabinets at Gaydon. Right. And that was designed by Bowden. Yeah. um, At Leamington Spa. So we we have a situation where the very first car he built was a Westland Roadster. Nicknamed the horror. Uh, yeah, basically, it was a horror because every time they took it out and tested it, uh, the chassis cracked and uh, bits fell off. So they hated driving it, uh, and they had to do a lot of changes for, for for chassis number two, which was the Elliot. Yeah. Now the Elliot was designed in the wind tunnel, right? But what came first, the Westland or the Elliot? It's like the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Bowden designed the wind tunnel design the Elliott and the Westland is basically a convertible version of the Elliott um, which which came first yeah. it's a, it's a mystery that we can, we can't solve um, because in many respects
0: for every open top Healey there's a, a hard top coupe equivalent yes, only, yes. yes technically bears apart from its chassis and its running gear and the front end bears nothing in relationship with its uh, open
1: top version oh, Don- if Donald didn't build bodies no Donny, uh, Donald 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 was a clever clever man I mean what what he did he got his chassis were actually made uh, at Westlands yeah ok is that the aircraft that's bank? the aircraft people they then shipped the chassis to Donald in Warwick where he put the Riley engine gearbox back axle in it what his, size um, engine was it as a uh, rule 2.4 yeah. it's, it's the Riley twin cam engine RMB. Yeah. Riley RM RMB engine gearbox back axle. Yeah. Front suspension and service design design. So the chassis came from Warwick, from from sorry, from Hereford. Uh, he put the running gear on it. They were then shipped back to Westlands where the ash frames were made at Elliot's of Reading, who were furniture makers, and Donald went to see them and said, Look, I want you to make some ash frames for me. Here's the drawing. We want 200 bodies, um, 100 solar coupe saloons and a hundred roadsters. So in many
0: ways you could say like the, the bulkhead on
1: a Healey is based on a, based on an armchair or a settee. Basically, <laughs> basically it was the first. So, 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 Elliot's in Reading. Yeah. He did, Donald, Donald was one for doing deal, okay. Pockets were not very deep. His arms were even shorter. Um, and what he did, he went to Elliot's and said, look, if you supply me these ash frames at the right price, mm-hmm. I'll name one of the cars after you. Yeah. So, hence, Elliot became the Elliot Saloon. Mm-hmm. Westlands became the roadster because Westlands were making the chassis and doing all yeah. of the coach work. So, the chassis chassis made at Westlands, shipped to Warwick, yeah. running gear put on, chassis then delivered back to uh, Westlands, mm-hmm. where the ash frame kits came in from Elliot, either for the Elliot. Kit, coupe or the Western Roadster, they were then put on the chassis, trimmed at Westerns, yeah. trimmed, painted, wired up and finished at Westerns. So Westerns basically built 90% of the car yeah. but Donald had to put something into it so he put the engine gearbox and running gear <laughs> in it. <laughs> and then of course there was the, ver- the other version so he went off to Tickford Tickford did a body Abbott's did a body did a, yeah. a, a version the Abbott was the convertible Tickford um, and then you've got all sorts of like Sportsmobile and Duncan Industries stepped in with the Duncan Drone which was a a, a very very cheap um, car to get around purchase tax because I'm not being funny the drone bears no resemblance to a Heli re- re- oh re- no it looks more like a 60s toaster
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not being
1: funny, and you have two of them in your collection, but they are ugly. They are. Yeah. There's only th- there's only three left in the world. I had all three yeah. uh, until a man in in Belgium wanted one of them desperately. <laughs> yeah. um, but he had that, and uh, it's a gen. It was an Exemilia car. So yeah. It got it got some credibility to it, yeah. and that car does the Emilia every year. Yeah. And uh, the two I've got have both done the Emilia. Yeah. Um, in recent years.
0: But there's another one. I mean, you you were saying before we went on air, Donald wasn't a major fan of Le Mans, was he? He didn't want to do it. No, by no, no,
1: no, Donald did not want to do. Don Donald, Donald you, knew he did the media in it, uh, in his cars, and they're perfectly honest with you. They do shake themselves apart. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's the design, it's the construction, etc. Um, he didn't want to put his cars through 24 hours. Hmm. Jack Bartlett wanted him to do. Was pushing him hard, hard, hard to do Le Mans. Okay, and just picture, just picture the two of them sat in a gentleman's club somewhere because that's, that's, that was Donald, probably the RAC club. Well, fair
0: did that back then, didn't yeah, they?
1: Yeah, RAC club sat there, a few bottles of wine, onto the brandies, onto the ports, and uh, I could just see, I could just see Donald losing it at the end and saying, "Look, you want to do Le Mans? Go do Le Mans. Take my car. I don't want anything to do with it. no not do. It. Private entry. You go and do it. I'll let, give you the car. That's it. That's what happened." That's exactly what happened. Jack Bartlett took the car that Donald had driven on the, on the Mille Amelia that year, and he took it down to Le Mans, and he was successful with it. The car finished, I think in 49, finished 17th overall. Yeah. So from, from 1950 onwards, every car that Donald did the Mille Amelia in, mm. then went back to the works, was prepped, and went to Le Mans. Yeah. And in 1950, he took the Elliott back that Jack Bartlett mm-hmm. drove and he took his own car which was a prototype nash Healy, with Duncan Hamilton and Tony Rolt driving it. The nash Healy finished fourth overall losing the podium position on the last lap Yeah, and from that year on as I say every car he took to the Mila or went on, to Le Mans. went on to do Le Mans and the success he had at Le Mans was unbelievable for a small tiny little
0: Well I'm not being funny, it was a bit like what you might call Ken Tyrrell of his day, because oh, Ken yeah. Ken Tyrrell built F1 cars yeah. in a, in a in a little lockup, Yeah. And he took on
1: Ferrari and beat them. Yeah. That's well, basically what 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 Donald Healey did.
0: Yeah.
1: And he, he he then went on We'd be taking on Ferrari, he'd be taking on the big Italian boys. And and he was And he was beating them. Yeah. I mean, he took, he took cars, when, when Donald, in, <coughs> excuse me, in 1948, when Donald took a team of cars to the Mille Miglia, he won his class, came ninth overall. Yeah. I'm an Englishman in Italy. Mm. They haven't liked us since. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it took
0: Snell, must have shown him how to do it, driving a German car with Dennis Jenks.
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, that's I mean, pff, okay. Italians are having a
0: rethink, you know,
1: as to how, how, what went wrong. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, MG, MG tried it. When their M, MG did the ultimate trick, they painted their cars red. Yeah, yeah. So the crowds I think it was an Italian car coming over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did this
0: success have an effect on Healy's sales. Because I mean, if go, if Donald only made small numbers of these cars, I mean, it's one of those things, great. I've done, I've, I've annoyed the book
1: for 20 cars. I can only produce I, three. I, th- I think Donald could spend money quicker than he could earn it. All right. I mean, when he went- I on the feeling. But, huh, yeah, he, he was off doing these events. Okay, nineteen in 1950, when he did the deal with Nash. Yeah to get the Nash engine, because he couldn't get the Cadillac engine, okay? He got the Nash engine. He was seriously in debt. Nash paid off his overdraft, which at the time was about 50,000 pounds. Yeah. And in 19... Would have been a lump. That would have been equivalent to a couple of million pounds, yeah. I would have thought today. Um, they paid his overdraft off on the deal that he paid them back in cars. Yeah. So he built the first 100 Nash Heelis yeah. were built by Donald and the bodies were done by Panelcraft, and they were, again, they were more expensive than a Cadillac yeah. when they arrived in the States. But Nash needed something to put them into the European market and be noticed.
0: Well the one thing, I mean you have one of these in
1: your collection, it's a stunning car.
0: It's, when you look at it, it's a beautiful two door open top tourer that it's obvious that it was designed for the american market but the one thing that that body style has it has the flair of a lot of french designed yes. cars of its era. Yeah. so it's this strange combination it's a british car powered by an american engine designed for the americans but with the with the simplistic elegance of a french car
1: yeah yeah i'm saying beautiful there are many out there, and I think out of 100 built, there are probably 23 in existence worldwide. Yeah. Uh, there's one or two occasionally come to life. It took me four years to find one. <laughs> and I, 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 I found, it, I mean, I bought more cars off eBay worldwide, blind, as soon as I see it, bang, hit the button, and buy it straight away, worry about, think about it afterwards, yeah. get it over and get it restored. Um, I mean, and the lazardy workshop sale, not again. The haircuts, <laughs> they curl their toes up when I open the door and say, Look what I found. <laughs> we've got we're, 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 the panel craft I mean I've done three miles in recent years with that Yeah, it's a 3.8 engine straight six uh, a Borg Warner three-speed manual gearbox with with mechanical overdrive and the car has so much torque it's unbelievable you can you can drive that car pretty much like an automatic yeah just put it into gear and using the kickdown button in the middle of the steering wheel yeah you can drive that car through roundabouts um, without Changing gear, yeah, it's it's, in, it's an incredible thing, incredible machine. Now, besides the Riley engines, what um, the Nash engines, what other engines did Healey start to use? Um, well, he, he the Riley engine was the majority of the engine in the early cars. Yeah, that ran through from say from 1945 right through to 53. He stuck his toe in the water and tried to put the new Cadillac overhead valve engine in in 48. Um, in fact, he was sent, or well, two engines were supplied by General Motors. One, uh, a uh, uh, well-known <laughs> Mister
0: Allard, rather, because he'd he that attack. Didn't he, he got, he, yeah, Allard, uh, yeah, Allard,
1: Allard was the car that. that Took him at Le Mans in 1950. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was because he'd lost the Cadillac deal. He he, he he was on his way over to America to do the deal with General Motors and get the Cadillac engine. He'd built a, he'd built a prototype, which was basically a Healy Silverstone in the UK, yeah. put a Cadillac V8 in it, and Briggs Cunningham had done the same thing in America um, to test one in America and one yeah. in the UK. And um, he was on his way over to General Motors to try and do a deal, and he, he, he met George Mason, the CEO of Nash, on the Queen Mary on his way over, and they got in conversation and realized they were both, and uh, Mason said to him, look, you're not gonna do the deal with General Motors because they can't supply enough engines for their own use, let alone yeah. sell you any, so when you don't do the deal, let me know, and I've got a good six-cylinder engine that will do your job. Um, cut a long story short by the time donald got back the six in their engine and box was in his workshop yeah they took the engine out of the x4 which was the cadillac engine experimental car dropped the nash engine in it renumbered it x5 mm. and donald took it off and did the mila, mila with it um and then at the end of the mila, mila he <clears throat> biggest flaw he had was he didn't have big enough fuel tank for a yeah. 3.8 engine that drinks fuel yeah very thirsty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the economy wasn't back. Oh, they didn't worry about it. They didn't worry about it. Oh, yeah. But that was in those days. It, it mean it was a flat out race. So yeah. the longer you spent looking for petrol, uh, uh, the, the slower you were. Yeah. And, uh, he f- when you got a guy that finished sort of ninth, tenth overall, and all of a sudden he's down in 225th place, yeah. um, he's a little bit embarrassed. So back to the works with it. Redesign the fuel tank, uh, put some side pods on it, get it down to Le Mans. Yeah. Duncan Hamilton and Tony Roll taking control of it, and finished fourth overall. Yeah, As I say, lost the third place to the Allard mm. with the Cadillac engine, <laughs> engine. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the last lap. And I uh, say, so they then went on to build over 500 Nash Heelies Yeah, for American market.
0: But the mm. one thing as when you look at the what you would call the more modern Heelys, and we've already said the bodywork and the air tunnel and the wind tunnels the styling of them was really in advance of anybody else i mean until jaguar got an idea okay the 120s and the 140s to a degree but mainly the xk 120 and then the the c types and the d types i mean donald Healy. Got into that act well in advance of
1: Jaguar, didn't he? You, you Donald, don't, if you if you if you look at you, you need to look and study the early Heelies, and or look at the body designs on the numerous models. Because the other thing were. is, it was all lightweight aluminium, oh, yeah, yeah. beaten into shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when you look closely, but you need to you need to, to to dig into the archives to find the one-off cars they built that they took to, um, like. X 4 was basically a Healey Silverstone with a Cadillac engine in it. X5 was the Silverstone engine with a Nash engine dropped in it, and then it was modi- body was modified for the closed wheel rule that came in at Le Mans when a headrest was put on it um, for the Le Mans straight. Then X X6 was originally a coupe that then had a big accident on the it was then very quickly within five weeks rebuilt as a roadster as a Open sports race, pure race car. Uh, all that went down to Le Mans. Got a podium finish. Yeah. Uh, so the success rate on the early cars was, was unbelievable. Um, and then the amalgamation from that X8. When you study X8, which was a one-off, the back end of it is basically the 104. Yeah. Um, when you look at the front of a 104 and you look at the Nash Hillis at the time X6 X8, you can see the 104 coming out of it. Yeah. And Jerry Coker joined Donald, Jerry Coker designed the 104 when Bill Buckingham was building X8. Yeah. So the first job he did was with Bill Buckingham building X8, this race car. And you can see where the ideas came from for the 104.
0: Yeah.
1: And the 104, well.
0: It is, is that, that, that's the only, that's the only Healy one that's got the Austin name on it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I, I still believe it's a true Healy. Yeah. It's a true Healy. Um, it had a Healy badge on it. The two prototypes were Healy's. They were badged as Healy's. They were uh, codenamed the J chassis. Yeah. So they were the J chassis and it was press day at the motor show. They were launched, had the Healy badge on them. Lord Lennon came round to see what engine his B90 engine was in, looked at it, loved it, again they sat down over dinner that night, again, must have been the RAC club, sat there, few bottles of wine, scratching out, drawing up a contract, somebody went back to the works and the Austin Healey badge was made that night, brought down and put on the car for the first day opening of the motor show. So it went to Earl's Court as a Healy,
0: and left Earl's Court as a Austin, Austin Healy. Yeah.
1: And I can just imagine it, Donald sat there with Lord Lenham in the RAC club, contracts drawn up, about to sign it, and Donald saying to Lord Lenham, okay, fine, one final thing before I sign this, I'm taking over your competition department. <laughs> Lord Lenham Lord looked at him and said, we haven't got a competition department. Yeah. Donald signed it and said, you have now. <laughs> You can't
0: talk about Austin Healy's or Healy's without discussing what's always referred to as the big banger Healy's, which are the Austin Healy 3000s, which were until slightly more nimble machinery came along. I mean, they were, st- they, though you're not a major fan of them, they, they were serious they, rally beaters. They, well. they
1: were beasts. Yeah. They were beasts. I drove one to France once and I, I just, it reminded me of my days when I was about 18 driving a Bedford TK around Luton and Milton Keynes, delivering, delivering Corona pot bottles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always refer... The chocolate I mean, pot bottles didn't rattle quite as much. But, yeah, but it just reminds me... I mean, it, somebody said to me one day, describe a Healy 3000, and I said, it's a Bedford TK with your backside slapped between the chassis. Yeah. Huh with I'm, no ventilation and no, no 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 I'll tell you what you take take a lot of people love them I've, I'm, I'm there's no. something about them when you see one, well, even today They're, on classic they are unbe- unbelievable car but my what I don't think you take that the 104 is 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 the ultimate design mm. of a British sports car the The six cylinder engine was the right engine to put into it, but I don't think, I personally don't think Austin threw enough money into them to develop them, they put more luxuries in, wood trim, wind up windows, they didn't progress the design and the development, Um, Donald did wonders and the competition department did absolutely wonders with the cars that they took out and competed with. Can't knock that at all. The success rate of those was was unbelievable but if if Austin's had thrown some more money at the projects instead of letting it phase out and fizzle out then I'm sure the Austin healy name would have lasted an awful lot longer.
0: Now there's another car in your collection that really is a one-off, the only ever made one. It was the last car that Donald Healy was involved with, and it's the least likely vehicle anybody would um, would associate it with. It's the uh, it's the Healy Ford F- Ford Fiesta.
1: <laughs> Which is a one-off. So you, yeah, you're right. I mean, 1978. Okay, and it's 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 the last car Donald Healy ever built. Mm-hmm. He was approached by Fords to redesign the ford fiesta for the american market mm. they wanted to launch a fiesta into the american market so they they, they gave him a german-built ford fiesta which technically know. would have been xr or gear it, quality no no, it would have been, no no it would have been an ordinary standard 1.1 right because the, yeah. the german-built
0: ones tended to be the better ones yeah
1: so it was it was it was a white car i can tell you that because i've stripped this and painted it and the white paint's still underneath i mean yeah. <laughs> So he took this car, redesigned it, flared the arches, put a spoiler on it, changed the headlights to the Mark II Escort Square headlights, driving lights in it, ripped the interior out, got rid of the back seat, put a roll cage in it, put a pair of Wolfrae seats in it, a few extra instruments. But he put a 1600 engine in it, right? Cross flow head, Mexico crank rods. Weber carburetor etc I mean this thing reported to put out a 96 brake horsepower yeah okay um, it was the first ever Ford hot hatch yeah the XR2 and the super sport weren't released until 1980 this was 1978 and the XR2 first XR2 and Supersports were 1.3s yeah so this thing went off to America did a dealer tour um, You've got to think of the uh, AMC Pacer. Okay? Yes. Now, the do Americans... I, do I have to? I mean, but <laughs> but it's the same <laughs> period. They're, they're, they're suitably, ex- <laughs> suitably eccentric to be of great interest now, aren't now I? Look at the... I, I, I'd say slagging off at that guy. <laughs> I mean, the Americans hated that. The Fiesta was smaller. Yeah. I mean, it stood no chance at all. <laughs> Deal at all, Road & Track did a wonderful article on this Heli Fiesta, but they had to pull the plug on it. It was too small, it was like, we're gonna put this in the boot of the Cadillac, and yeah. take it along as a spare. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the only one ever built. Yeah. It then was went in, buried into Ford's archives. It went into their collection, sat there until the 80s when it was surfaced and sold at auction. And the man that bought it lived in California. Lovely idea, but you can't register it because Donald had ripped all the emission stuff out of it. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> couldn't be registered, so it spent all its life in America on a trailer going to shows and events. Yeah, and I bought it, it had done less than 7,000 miles. Yeah, from new, some damaged by the paint. I mean, all the paint was cracked and crazed. So I've stripped it and painted it. Other than that, the car is. 100%. The only thing
0: you've done, the colour scheme is and I only discovered this the other day there's no such fixed colour as British Racing Green No there isn't, oh no, 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 no. But This this Fiesta is another take on British Racing Green with yellow pinstriping but the only thing you've changed is you've done away with the bright yellow wheels It's had bright yellow
1: wheels, yes yes. <laughs> <laughs> but remember that Donald's from the era that no. all his cars raced in green yeah okay so he was traditionalist British raced in green French raced in blue Germans were in silver Italians were in red
0: okay Belgians tend to have that obviously yellow yellow right? yeah, yeah yeah I can
1: never understand that no no we won't go into my <laughs> very rarely yeah yeah can't, can't work that one out no, no. but anyway so, so all Donald's cars were green so he was given a white fiesta yeah so of course, British. I should think, yeah. I ma- I never met the man. I wish I had met the man, okay? We'd have probably had an argument about it. <laughs> but I wish I'd have met him because I would imagine he had a very stubborn streak in him and his stubbornness would have been, I'm painting it green, I don't care. And the Americans would have said, oh, we want it a bright color. Okay, you can have your bright bit, you can have a yellow pin. I mean, we're talking right. about yellow pinstriping on yeah. the edge of every panel. Yeah. I mean it's all it's all highlighted out completely in yeah. yellow pinstriping <laughs> and bright yellow wheels. Mm, yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Yes, I mean typical 80s. When I mean like 70s and 80s, there was a, definitely
1: a taste bypass, wasn't there? Oh yes, but when you but also you look at cars cars being built the same period in this country. Very rarely you'd see a green car in a the showroom. They were they were all like. Chocolate brown and purples and mauves and beiges and oranges. Yeah. Very rarely green cars of that period, yet Donald still did that car in green. Yeah. That's British. That's him saying this is British.
0: Warren Kennedy, I would have loved to have chatted on to you about your two phrases, Nash, your absolutely unbelievable MGA coupe, and various other examples of highly desirable. British classic sports cars, but regrettably with time has come to an end. For this edition of Back to Driver Radio Show. Warren Kennedy, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: beaten on price, never beaten on service. Whether it's cars, bikes or commercials, Hoddy Tyres are the best in the business and when it comes to tyre expertise and advice to supplying the correct tyres for your vehicle's specific requirements, nobody comes close to David Lakin and the Hoddy Tyres team. So give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytires.co.uk.